are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast, and me and Connor have plenty to talk to you about. We're going to start with a little bit of information and news that we have gathered over the last few days. Then we're going to break down some of the comments that Herm Edwards has made recently to the press. After that, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the newest AP poll and whether or not it's fair that Arizona State dropped out of the top 25. Finally, we'll go ahead and round it out with the Pac-12 slate that is ahead of the Arizona State Sun Devils to finish the season. We're going to make our predictions nice and early so that we can be wrong later on. You're listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. There's no better place to get all of your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked on Pac-12 podcast, hosted by Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked on Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, your podcast for all of the best Arizona State Sun Devils news surrounding football, basketball, and a little bit of everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Richie Bradshaw, joined always by my good friend and co-host, Connor Drios. Make sure you follow both of us on Twitter, at RichieBrads36 and at CDrios. Don't forget to also follow the Locked on Sun Devils Twitter page, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Make sure that you subscribe on Spotify, Odyssey, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are always here Monday through Friday. Right now, we're in the thick of football season, and there's plenty to talk about. So, Connor, before we get started, i got to ask, how are you, my friend? Doing okay. Yesterday, we had to exhale on the podcast um, after sleeping on it. I'm not less mad about the loss to BYU. But I, I think I'm at least a little bit more emotionally removed. So, um, with that being said, do you want to get into some injury news? Yeah, so let's kick things off with a little bit of updates for injuries. And then we'll talk about a little bit of what Herm Edwards was going over in recent news. So, yeah, Connor, so, our injury. Our very disappointing injury. Yeah, Please. so it, it, you got the news today. Trevez Moore is out. He got hurt in the fourth quarter against BYU. Uh, he is out for the season with a knee injury, and it, it's just another piece you're losing along that defensive line. Uh, this season, he had six total tackles, three solo, and then three assisted. Uh, also, he had two and a half for a loss as well as a sack. While he wasn't a starter as one of your defensive ends, he was in on quite a few third down packages. And combined with him and Jermaine Lowe, I, I mean, you, just, you can't keep taking more hits on this defensive line. Um, it's already becoming somewhat of a weakness on this team. And the more depth, at least, that you take from it, I mean, it's just going to be, become worse over the rest of the year. Yeah, and Moore was one of those guys who was very quietly producing in the shadows for the Sun Devils. Two and a half tackles for loss and a sack in three games. And he wasn't in quite a full-time role, but he was used all over the place. He was flexed out to linebacker and put a hand in the dirt at defensive end, depending on the packages. So losing Moore definitely hurts. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Sun Devils can continue to find a way to replenish this defensive line that seems to be quickly getting depleted. The loss of Jermaine Lole earlier in the offseason was huge. Now the loss of Trevez Moore could end up being something big. And God forbid if Tyler Johnson gets ejected for targeting again, because he should have been on Saturday. So he's got to 
get his head out of other people's heads, literally. Or else this Arizona State defensive line is going to have some serious trouble generating pass rush. For some of the Sun Devil fans that may not have heard Travez Moore's name, it's just, while it might not seem like the biggest deal, um, carried a lot of experience coming over from LSU, it, already getting injured from another weak position on the team. You just you need depth in order to win football games. When your team is gassed or your starters are potentially uh, getting hurt for the game, you rely on guys like Travis Moore to come in and make plays um, like he was doing a little bit this year. Um, so not great news. Um, hopefully they can find somebody to replace him. They do have some young guys uh, that can come up and hopefully uh, just prove themselves, at least with the, the chances that they will get. Uh, a little bit more on some injury news. Uh, no updates so far that we're hearing on Chip Trainum as well as DJ Taylor uh, in the return game. Hoping to have both of them back against Colorado. Uh, and we will update you guys as we hear more news there. Yeah, so the biggest bummer with Trainum is sometimes you hear the saying, "Some sometimes no news is good news. But in this case, no news has been bad news because we were thinking that Trainum was going to be good to go for the BYU game all week. And then he ended up missing time. And now we don't have an update. We, we don't know how severe this injury is going to be. Is this something that's going to linger on for the remainder of the season? I, believe it or not, I, I know that Nagata and White have carried the load very well, but Trayana nonetheless is a very important role to this offense. And I think that if he was in the lineup against BYU, that score would have been closer at a minimum. And we only lost by 10. Trayana is a very important piece of this offense. So continuing to not have him in the folds could prove deadly for this season. I, it, it could be a kiss of death and maybe I'm overreacting because Nagata and White have been terrific, but Trainum is arguably RB one when he's healthy on this team. Agreed. White is your better pass catcher, but Chip Trainum absolutely has a spot in this rotation. Uh, he's a force to be reckoned with for sure. So Herm Edwards uh, was being interviewed and he had a couple interesting quotes. Uh, he spoke to the passing game and talked about the last, uh, the lack of consistent big plays. We had talked yesterday about Andre Johnson's huge 58-yard catch uh, that was almost a touchdown. You see that early on and you think, wow, what else are we going to be able to do this game? Even if it's not another 58-yard catch, you think that those chunk plays are coming. I believe the next biggest play in terms of uh, through the air was Curtis Hodges had another 28-yard catch. After that, a lot of it is just dump-offs or like to either Rashad White or or Ricky Pearsall. And I understand there's going to be times where you want players to be able to create uh, after the catch, and that's all well and good. But if you're relying so much on the short to intermediate passing game, if you can't have big, consistent plays you're going to become very one-dimensional. I think my biggest thing is we called out Jaden for not taking the shots. So they took those baby steps. They took a couple shots. They looked successful. Now you need to continue to incorporate that into the game plan. You can't start the game off with a bang and then completely get away from it. So I'm not saying you need to have a 50-yard catch once a quarter. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is you need to take those shots that are 20 to 25 yards down the field that opens up the offense and spreads out the defense because everyone knows that Arizona State is a run-heavy team, and it's going to be pretty easy to key in on that if this offense can't continue to the intermediate passing game and attack the middle of the field, deep middle of the field. 
it's going to hold this offense back because at some point a team is going to come up and say, beat us with your arm. We're going to key in on the run game. And then what's Arizona State going to do? So it, it typically, if you can get that one huge deep shot in the game, that's going to open up the rest of the field to you. So my biggest thing is just being more consistent and not being so timid to take those shots. Again, it comes down to consistency. So I understand your game script is typically going to be to run the football, but you just need to find a way to incorporate deep to intermediate passes. You have to at least put the fear uh, like into the defensive coordinator. If they already know what you're going to do, they know what plays you're going to run, even if you're somewhat successful at it, they know it's coming. Like, Imagine how much more successful it is if they have to account for the pass because they have Andre Johnson or whoever else be, that has the ability to make those types of plays downfield. Even if they do get those kinds of looks, if they know Jaden's not necessarily going to take those shots somewhat consistently, they're still going to be playing for the run and force you to beat them with your arm. And that's the situation where if you, you kind of just like clap for Arizona State. It's like, okay, well, great, you got that pass off. Because more often than not, you're not doing that. You're at least accounting for the run more often than not, which we're going to limit you anyways. Yeah, the, I think the most frustrating thing is I firmly believe that Jaden has the arm. That was his biggest calling card when he was coming out of high school is he had a big, lively arm and he could stretch the field. We saw hints and flashes in the pan of it as a freshman. We got away from it as a sophomore. And now, once again, we have these little teases from him as a junior. So... At this point, I know it's there. There's a reason why I called out Jaden and said, I want to see more, is because I know that he's capable of doing it. So at this point, I'm not so much looking at Jaden right now as much as I am looking at the play calling from the offense. So I just, again, I'm going to preach this. You need to have consistency in the sense of opening up the offense more than just RPOs underneath and running the ball and quarterback draws and read option and all that good stuff. You need to open up the entirety of the field or you're going to get swamped. For anyone who's just so upset after this last weekend's loss to BYU, Herm Edwards was also quoted saying that they need to have a clean slate. You look at the rest of the Pac-12, which we're going to do here in just a moment, having a clean slate against a bunch of other teams in the Pac-12 South where nobody is undefeated, nobody is undefeated against uh, Pac-12 South teams, you have a wide open opportunity. The rest of the Pac-12 self might as well be oh no, right? And you have the rest of the season to take advantage of that. So with that being said, we're going to get into that in our last segment. But upcoming, we're going to talk about uh, the current AP poll rankings and where we think ASU should stand. You're listening to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. All right, college football fanatics. Have you heard about Price Picks? If not, then I got some awesome news for you because Price Picks is daily fantasy made easier. Price Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. PricePix offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have even ever heard of. PricePix offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even to interceptions thrown. Here's how it works. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. PricePix offers mixed force entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on the homes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com or go to your App Store and download the app today. PricePix. Daily fantasy made easy. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. 
With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's not impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you ever need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions of like, is your Hyundai Genesis an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for all your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all their parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we're back on the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. As always, I'm Richie Bradshaw, joined by my good friend, Connor Drios. In the first segment, we talked about a little bit of injury updates and some quotes from Herm Edwards about the state of the team moving forward. Now we're going to go ahead and take a look at something a little controversial, and that would be the AP poll. I touched on this a little bit at the end of last episode, and I was frustrated because I didn't feel that Arizona State deserved to drop all the way out of the AP poll from the 19th spot. And admittedly, they probably were one of the honorable mentions. They're probably like 26 or 27, somewhere in that range. But I still believe that they did not deserve to completely drop out of the AP poll. But here's here's what we're here to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about, so Arizona State was 19. So we're going to look at number 19 from the AP poll all the way down to 25. Me and Connor are going to discuss which teams we would take in a neutral site to determine if Arizona State should be ranked ahead of them. So, Connor, are you ready? Let's start at number 19. So starting at number 19 is the Michigan Wolverines, who are currently 3-0. Under Jim Harbaugh, they consistently underachieve, but they absolutely blew the doors off of their opponent this week. Apologize for not remembering their name, but they won 70-3. They went absolutely rampant in Ann Arbor and looked really, really good. So they've got pieces all over the place. I feel like Michigan has more name value than anything else. I would be very interested to see these two go head-to-head. If if neither of these teams made the Rose Bowl, if you made this like the Holiday Bowl or another prime bowl game that's not quite a BCS Bowl, I, I would tell you that a lot of people would tune into that because I think these two teams could actually square up pretty evenly with each other. I agree. And looking at some of the other teams from 19 to 25, it's not so much that I don't think ASU can beat them. After kind of having a, a bad taste in my mouth from the last game, uh, and we lost to a quality BYU team who shot up to 15 this week, and deservedly so. Uh, Michigan, I, I'm not sure I want that smoke after the game that they had last week. I think if we were more disciplined, we had close to like four to five penalties a game. Maybe. Right now, I just don't feel like we're in a good place. I would personally still take Michigan over them. Uh, that's just my opinion. Well, there you go. So now looking at number 20, you have the Michigan State Spartans. And as of recently, Arizona State actually has a little bit of history with them. They were able to take them down in their home stadium a few years ago when they were ranked. And then we also beat them on a last-second field goal. This was I. This was then Herm's first few years at Arizona State. It was his back-to-back seasons. Yep, back-to-back seasons. So Michigan State, 
goes down to Miami and absolutely thumps the University of Miami Hurricanes and completely exposes them for the posers that they have been for the last 10 years. Couldn't happen to a better team. So they're, they're just one of those teams where it's like, is Texas back? Is Miami back? Is Nebraska back? And, and all you traditionalist college football fans are like, oh, well, college football's better when Miami's good. Is that what they sound like? That's exactly what they sound like. Is it like but you read their tweets on Twitter, like you know for sure that's what they sound like. Well, most of them are retirees from Miami, so maybe okay. that's why. So, But the, the days of Miami being elite are long gone, and we try to rank them every year and make them seem to be better than they are. But Peyton Thorne and the Michigan State Spartans marched into Miami and absolutely stomped on the Hurricanes. They beat them 38-17. to They beat them soundly. They held De'Eric King to uh, under, under 10 rushing yards, and considering that he is one of the better dual-threat quarterbacks in college football, that's a big deal. They got him to throw two interceptions. He did throw for 388 yards. Thanks to Charleston Rambo's 12-catch, 156-yard performance. But Derek King looked very vulnerable in this game. And Peyton Thorne, who has thrown nine touchdowns and zero interceptions as the quarterback, sophomore quarterback for Michigan State this year, definitely looks like he could get Michigan State training in the right direction. So, so who would you take between ASU and Michigan State? So real quick, did we definitively pick ASU versus Michigan? I don't think we did. I gave my opinion. So... Let, let's definitively say I would take Arizona State over Michigan. Not totally confident, but I think I would. What do you think? Uh, I still think I'm taking Michigan State right now. The next big one to me is so, is just number 21 is North Carolina. My answer would totally change depending on which week you ask me. If you ask me two weeks ago, I think we could take North Carolina. They lost a little bit of, of talent to the NFL this year, and uh, Sam Howell hadn't been playing his best football. After last week's five-touchdown performance, I'm not so sure about that anymore, man. I'm not sure I want to go up against Sam Howell at all, especially after playing back-to-back weeks of some dual-threat quarterbacks. Sam Howell would just sling it all over this defense the way they're playing right now. For what it's worth with our NFL draft fans, because I know that there are many of you out there, Sam Howell entered the year as my quarterback one ahead of Spencer Rattler. Both of them have struggled this year, but I feel like Sam Howell's bright spots are better than Spencer Rattler's. And Howell absolutely went off this week. And it's all the more impressive when you consider that he lost Diami Brown, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams in this past draft. And it's taken him a minute to get comfortable, but now that he is comfortable and established, it looks like Sam Hill is right back on track to being one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. And with the way that DJ Ugalele has been playing at Clemson, he might be the best quarterback in the ACC. So I would tell you that in a neutral site... Oh, that one's so iffy. But with the way Howell's playing right now, I am not going to bet against Howell. I think I would take North Carolina. Nope, neither am I. I think Howell's just going to continue this streak. Um, Whether he's the first pick overall or not, I at least think he's going to be the first quarterback off the board. Um, I think that man is just going to be on a mission this year. The next one, super interesting. And you got to give Fresno State all the credit in the world. Fresno State has pushed both Oregon, which they ended up losing to uh, in technically their week two, but Oregon first game, they pushed to the wire and Oregon barely won. And now they're ranked number three. Now they beat UCLA, uh, who had their first game. They beat LSU. I, I don't know a ton about Fresno State, at least going into the season. If they can beat two quality teams and they at least have three wins on the year, 
I'm not so sure I feel so great about ASU in that one either. I will tell you that Jake Hayner came in with some good fanfare for the Fresno State Loyals, and he's lived up to the hype so far. So when you talk about Fresno State quarterbacks, it starts with David Carr, and it ends with Derek Carr. It's an absolute dynasty between those two. There's a reason that David went first overall, and there's a reason that Derek is a multi-time pro bowler. Both of them have big, lively arms and are able to stretch the offenses out deep. Hayner has been very successful this year in doing a lot of the same. While he doesn't have the arm that either of the Carr brothers have, that's not fair because both of the Carr brothers have some of the best arm strength that college football has ever seen. But Hayner has been a stud, and he was able to air the ball out extremely well against UCLA. And at the time, we thought that that was a bad loss for UCLA. But now look at that. Fresno State's ranked because they're 3-0. and and Hayner is leading them to the promised land. So I think based off of the fact that Fresno State can air the ball out, they would give ASU a really good run for their money. And honestly, I think I would take Fresno State in a neutral site game. Yeah, I, I think I would too. I think once we get to number 23, Auburn, I think that's where I draw the line. Um, I've taken all the other teams over ASU. Auburn, no shame in losing to Penn State, uh, only lost by eight last week, uh, dropping to number 23 from 22. Still think they're a quality team. Um, I, I think this game depends a lot on what you think of Bo Nix. Uh, I, I think depending on who you're talking Our to. Our Lord and Savior, Bo Nix. Depending on what college football fan you're talking to, Bo Nix is either a really good quarterback in their mind or extremely overrated. He might be the most polarizing college football player of my lifetime. I at least respect him, but at the, same, at the same time, I wouldn't say I fear him. Nope. Necessarily like I do a Sam Howell. I think Auburn is probably where I draw that line. I would take ASU over Auburn in the neutral side. Yeah, I'll tell you, even though Auburn's SEC, I would comfortably take Arizona State. So let me preface it with this. The, the way that Auburn played Penn State down to the wire, super impressive. That is going to, we're going to look at that at the end of the season and say that's one of the five best college football games of the season. Auburn stuck with Penn State, and Penn State is a very good football team. There's a reason they're ranked inside the top 10 now. But Auburn, dude, I, so explain this to me. Explain this to me like I'm five and tell me that there's not some kind of East Coast SEC bias going on here because Auburn loses on the road to another ranked team by eight points, and they drop one spot. Yeah, but they, were, they lost to Penn State. It's, again, it's not a knock against BYU. BYU's top 15. But they weren't a week ago. Penn State was top 10 going into that game. I I, I, I don't know. I just, it, to me, there's a narrative that gets filled here, and that's the fact that Auburn is part of the SEC. But that's neither here nor there. So when it, when it comes to what I would do here, I think that I would take Arizona State comfortably over Auburn just because I don't believe in Bo Nix whatsoever. And, yeah. Bo Nix is overrated. Next, we got UCLA. This is an awesome one because we get to see this matchup in two Saturdays. And we actually have to go to Pasadena in the Rose Bowl to take on uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and the UCLA Bruins. Connor, what do you think? Yeah, I, DTR, he, he's scary, man. In terms of his overall athleticism, I I want to punish UCLA in terms of like losing to Fresno State, but we just talked about them, and I think they're a more quality team um, than a lot of people thought, including myself. 
UCLA, after getting their first big win of the season against LSU, I'm, I'm not going to throw too much shade at them. I want to respect Chip Kelly and his team until ASU proves they can beat them. It's not so much that I don't think they can't. I just don't feel like that's absolutely a guaranteed win, even at a neutral site. Dude, I'll tell you what. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is what Arizona State fans wish Jaden Daniels would be. Yep. Because DTR is airing the ball out and not turning the ball over, and he's still an effective runner. So DTR is an absolute threat at every level of the field. UCLA's defense is fast. UCLA's offense is just as fast. To the surprise of no one, who's their head coach? Chip Kelly. What does Chip Kelly like to do? Play fast. So that's UCLA's strength. I'm pretty sure they don't even huddle. Probably not. It's not quite the Oregon days where it was like 12 seconds and he snapped the ball, but UCLA is a very good football team. But I will tell you, neutral site, I will take the Sun Devils. But we'll talk more about how I feel about playing UCLA in Pasadena in the third and final segment. Before we close that out, we're going to look at K-State 3-0 and Deuce Vaughn and the absolute monster that that little freak is at five foot six and what, like 20 pounds soaking wet? Give or take. Give or take. But Deuce Vaughn, for real, has legitimate Heisman aspirations right now. So Deuce Vaughn, through three games, has 371 rushing yards and five touchdowns, caught another five passes for 29 yards. So he's got a flat 400 yards, six yards per attempt for any touch that he gets. And for what it's worth, he's got a flat six yards for rushing attempt as well and five touchdowns. Overall, ASU's done pretty well against the run in, in terms of like running backs. It's not so much that I think he can't have success against us. Uh, I, I think we could do a good job containing him. And I think for K-State, if you can shut down Deuce Vaughn, you can beat K-State. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest thing, and it's kind of turned into he's one of those guys in college football where it's you can't stop him, you can only hope to contain him. And Deuce Vaughn is definitely looking to be that guy who just absolutely dominates on the field. So, But but again, Arizona State can pride themselves on slowing down the run, and you look at the quarterbacks at K-State, and there's just nothing special there, nothing to write home about. So to recap, let's bust through these real quick. Michigan, Connor, ASU or Michigan? Michigan. I will take Arizona State. Connor. Michigan State. Michigan State. I'll take Michigan State, too. Connor. North Carolina. North Carolina. I'll take North Carolina. Connor. Fresno State. Fresno State. That's a tough one, but I still think i take Fresno. I would, too. Fresno State over Arizona State. All right. Auburn. I would take ASU. I would also take ASU. UCLA. I think I'm leaning ASU, but I think that one would be close. I agree. I would lean ASU. And finally, K-State. I think we could shut down Deuce Vaughn for the most part and win against K-State. We can contain Deuce Vaughn. So I will also take Arizona State. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take our final break, head into our final segment where we're going to look at the Pac-12 schedule for the remainder of the year for Arizona State and why a clean slate could mean getting back on the right track. You are listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Hey, sports lovers, do you love gambling? And let me tell you, Bet Online is going to be your number one spot for pro and college sports, and especially football now that we're in the middle of the season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. 
Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and use the promo code LOCKEDON. And we're back for the final segment of a Tuesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. We've already talked a little bit about injuries, what Herm Edwards has to say. We broke down who Arizona State could beat in the AP Top 25, ranking from 19 to 25. And now, finally, we're going to take a look at the remainder of ASU's schedule, which is all Pac-12 games. In other words, like Herm Edwards said, clean slate. You're you're 0-0 zero and zero on the year now. These are the games that matter the most. These are the games you have to win in order to compete for the Pac-12 South, in order to compete for the Pac-12 title, and in order to compete for a Rose Bowl berth, the first one that we've seen since the 90s. Connor, this is not an easy schedule. What do you think about... First, let's let's start off with a quick preview of the Colorado game. Let's not get too into detail because I'd like to talk about it in more detail later in the week when we can actually digest this episode more. I don't know how too confident you can sound coming off of a loss, uh, but for a Colorado team that just got shut out, what I think it was 30 to nothing by Minnesota, uh, <laughs> it just it at least has me thinking what Colorado team is showing up. Is it going to be the Colorado team that uh, took Texas A&M to the wire? Or the, the team the following week who just got completely shut out. Yeah, that's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right there. This game is going to be at home. I think ASU as a whole, uh, they're going to play much more disciplined. They're going to be angry uh, wanting to get back in that wooden column. I wouldn't say I'm too concerned about Colorado, um, but we'll see. Yeah, any team that can make Tanner Morgan look like one of the best college quarterbacks in the, in all of college football right now, deserves to be ashamed of themselves. And and again, it just, how do you go from one extreme of taking a top 10 team in Texas A&M down to the wire, losing by three points, to just looking so completely lost against Tanner Morgan in Minnesota? I just can't understand it. I can't fathom it. And the worst part, they got to come to Tempe to a home crowd that is probably pretty pissed off after seeing that loss by our beloved Sun Devils, and they definitely got revenge on their mind. Not just the fans, but definitely the players, too. So, obviously, we'll touch on this a little bit more, but for the sake of keeping a record, I got us going 1-0 to start our Pac-12 slate. I do, too. Um, any given Saturday, right, or whenever you're playing these games, I don't want to be, again, too confident coming off of the loss against BYU. Uh, but Colorado doesn't scare me. I would be 1-0 so far. So let's go ahead and look at the next the next game, which is number 24, UCLA. We hinted at this very previously, that in a neutral site, we would take Arizona State. But I'll tell you this. Going to Pasadena, I don't know how confident I am, especially with how good Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been this year. So without, without too much hindsight going into this game because we're two weeks away, right now... I'm taking UCLA over the Sun Devils. I would too. Uh, in our last segment, I had said this game would be, it would just be tough in a neutral site. I'm still going to respect UCLA's win against LSU and just hold out any judgment. I, I think it's a winnable game, but being at UCLA, I'm going to hold my breath there and take uh, UCLA this game. So I'm one and one as well. There you go. So then we're going to go ahead and take a peek over at Stanford, who very quietly is having a very solid season. Stanford now 
sits at 2-1 on the year with a very nice win over USC, who at the time was ranked in the top 25, and maybe the win doesn't look as good as it did back then, but Stanford very quietly has put together a very good year with really good quarterback play, mistake-free offense, and solid defense. When we look back at the schedule and our projections, Stanford is one of those teams where I really feel like that could go either way. I'm much more confident, at least in Colorado. Even though I said we would lose to UCLA, I think we're more likely to pull off that win. I have them losing to Stanford, even at home. Yeah, Tanner McKee has been the key to their offense. He's not turning the ball over right now, and he's throwing a lot of touchdowns. So, unfortunately, even at home, I'm actually going to take Stanford in this game. Stanford, uh, similarly to another team that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, plays Arizona State very tough every single time that we either go up and play them or that they come down here into the desert. So I have us at one and two right now. But here's the good news. I have us turning it around, taking on Utah. And even though we have to go to Utah to play this game, I like Arizona State's chances. Look, BYU ran all over this Utah defense. You're telling me that a Arizona State team that is just as good at running the football can't do the same? Even in even in enemy territory, I really like the chances that Arizona State has against the Utah Utes to just decimate them. Because with with the the best intentions and positive thoughts, Trianum should be back by this point in time. So you'll have full force of Trianum Nagata. White and Jane Daniels. That's four guys who can just absolutely crush you in the ground game. Listen, man, you're not supposed to be copying me. We didn't tell each other our picks prior to, but I'm also taking Arizona State against Utah. Uh, I, I feel like the talent level is still somewhat close. Uh, I feel like Utah, I don't want to say they're more sloppy, because that's definitely not the right word. Uh, but I, I just feel more confident in ASU in this game, uh, echoing what you had said, Richie. I really feel like we're going to be able to run all over this team. Yeah, and then looking ahead after them, so both of us have us sitting at 2-2 two and two right now. We're going to go ahead and look at the Washington State game, and Arizona State is going to have them at home. Washington State is typical Washington State. They're airing the ball out through the air, the way that they always have, but they're just nothing significant. They had that couple-year stretch there in the Mike Leach era where guys like Gardner Minshew and Aaron Gordon were airing the ball out. And you just couldn't stop them through the air. They were going to throw for 400 yards every single week on you. And while they might be able to put up the passing numbers, they're not putting up the points in the box score. And that's the biggest the biggest caveat for this team. So you have to go to Tempe and play a really good Arizona State secondary. I'm very confidently taking ASU. I'd agree. I, I think if our defense can stop them there, um, I at least still have enough confidence overall in our offense to be able to put up points, regardless of that being to the air or on the ground. Most likely it's going to be on the ground. Um, in Tempe, I would take Arizona State. So there you go. Both of us have the Sun Devils sitting at 3-2 and two as of right now. Then we go to another home game where USC comes to town. And Connor, i got to tell you, I am once again going to take the Sun Devils at home. I'm curious what the storyline is going to be at quarterback for them. Obviously, Clay Helton is out at head coach, but I'm more interested to see what's going to happen to Keaton Slovis. Is he going to be out long-term, or is he going to get replaced by Jackson Dart, who actually looked pretty dang good coming in for relief for Keaton when he went down to injury last week. So it's 
it's just always one of those things with USC where they have quarterbacks who come in routinely and just replace each other. And NFL success be, be darned. We just look at these guys from a college perspective and they just funnel them through. And now Jackson Dart looks like he can be a complete difference maker for this offense. And the other guy to watch out for is Drake London, the wide receiver who everyone is calling him the second coming of Mike Evans. So if they have quarterbacks consistently playing well, regardless of the name on the back of their jersey, I'm actually more interested in... Joke's on you. USC doesn't have names on the back of their jersey. Their hypothetical name on the back (laughs) of their jersey, Richie. Come on, man. But I'm more interested in Clay Hilton being fired and how that's going to affect them. Granted, this story is going to continue to evolve, and we have several weeks to get get to that point. I'd feel more confident playing USC next week versus playing them several games down the road. Uh, But again, being in Tempe, I feel like their team will be a little bit of a flux. I would take ASU here. So there you go. Me and Connor still remain 4-2. and two. For what it's worth, we did not tell each other our picks before we started this. Next up, got to go and play the Huskies in Washington. I don't know too much about these Huskies this year. I know that, once again, they're tough as nails and they're a tough out every single week, but they are sitting at 1-2 and two on the year, and they're not the same Chris Peterson Washington Huskies that were in the playoff just a few short years ago. So... I will tell you that Washington is another one of those teams that typically gives Arizona State fits. But I like our odds to go up there and take them out this year. I'm taking Arizona State over Washington here. Yep, I think that was well said. I would take ASU here. Now let's go to the probably the most interesting game on the schedule. ASU has to go to Oregon State. Historically, they do not play well there. Richie, regards to the talent of these teams, you taking ASU or Oregon State? Um, can can I take ASU and not be confident about it? I mean, you can. Well, for what it's worth, whenever we go to Corvallis, for whatever reason, we just get absolutely embarrassed. And Oregon State is very quietly 2-1 and one on the year. They've been playing really solid football. So we can't discount Oregon State and the accomplishments they've been able to do. They absolutely beat down Idaho this last week, 42-0, the way that a good team is supposed to do that. The quarterback... Uh, Nolan, don't know his first name, very sorry about that, had three touchdown passes. Their run game was absolutely outstanding. They had just about 200 yards on the ground against Idaho. They they typically are just one of those teams where you just expect them to roll over on their back, but they're playing tough this year, and Arizona State always finds a way to choke in Corvallis. So as much as I hate to admit it, I'm taking the Beavers in Corvallis over Arizona State. It just feels like a trap game, as it always does. You took them too, didn't you? I knew I should have picked Oregon State. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let's get on to the last game where we already know the outcome. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, very fortunately, U of A, they're just not very good. I mean, they're more of a basketball school anyways, but their football program is drowning right now. And even with some of the, the holes that ASU has in their game, that is going to be a bloodbath in Tempe. I'll take Arizona State. Yeah, give me another seventy to seven outcome. So, yeah, I just there's nothing good to write home about with this U of A football team right now. Definitively, I will take Arizona State in this game. So to recap for you guys, me and Connor both have the Sun Devils going one, two, three, four, five, six, and three to end the year, which would give them an eight and four record. Obviously, more than good enough to be bowl eligible. And at eight and four, that could end up competing for the Pac-12 South title, depending on how UCLA finishes. UCLA should be the favorite 
right now heading into that game. Connor, any closing thoughts? We'll see how this year folds out. I think when you try to look down the schedule, there's so much that changes on a week-to-week basis, man. Like, God forbid that something happens to Jaden Daniels next week. I'm not putting that out there in the universe. God forbid something happens. The outlook on the rest of the season totally changes. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up a Tuesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Make sure that you're listening to us every day for the best Sun Devils sports information that you could possibly find on the internet. Remember to follow me and Connor on Twitter at RichieBrads36, at Cedrios. Follow the Locked on Sun Devils page at LO underscore Sun Devils. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, Google Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. We're available Monday through Friday for the best content on the Sun Devils in this side of Arizona. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Betting on the Sun Devils doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Beds podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Beds podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.